What a calm and tranquil way to start the podcast. And we're all so excited. We're going to be covering it as best we can. And we have done in today's podcast. First time ever I'm recording this uh, after the show. It is a long one, so get your feet up. So we're going to be touching on the takeover. Obviously, we're going to be touching on the news today that was released that Paul Hurst and Chris Doig are coming back to the club. So glad to have a, a calm hand at the tiller. We're going to be touching on that. We're going to speak to Ollie at Salopcast. He's going to be telling us exactly how he dealt with uh, Shrewsbury when they were facing relegation when he left the ARC team uh, to join Shrewsbury. And we're going to obviously be taking you through the absolute bucket load of questions that we got from you. So glad to hear from you. Please do keep throwing them at us. We'll happily answer them as much as we can. And we'll be with you every step of the way through this um, hopefully bright new era for the club. Good evening, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm joined by a plethora of town fans who are keen to get involved as 2020 makes a late gasp effort for being year of the decade. Paul Hurst has been announced as manager some 45 minutes ago. I'm joined from left to right on my Zoom cast. Uh, Ian Biglin is here because he raised his hand straight away uh, and, and mucked up the first edit. Bruce Fenwick is here. He is constantly uh, annoyed that Grimsby Town keep overshadowing what is the highlight of the year, the greatest goals competition. Semi-finals are all sorted now, aren't they, Bruce? They are indeed. They are indeed just about, I believe. Uh, I don't think the second semi's quite finished, but it's going to take an almighty swing to stop the uh, dream final. Uh, Cockerill and Jevons look like they've been destined to meet throughout the tournament and that's the way it's going to go. And the Groves goal hasn't got there. I know Henry really enjoys that goal. He's yeah, he's he's mentioned it several times. How how overrated he how overrated it he feels it is beyond me. Overrated. What's wrong with it? It's got a bit of juggling in it. It's just I don't know. I just thought there were like ten better goals in that tournament than that Groves goal. I don't even think that was Groves' best goal in the bloody competition. You might be right, but you might be wrong. Lloyd, how are you? Welcome from uh, Tier 3. Uh, thanks, mate. Uh, John Cockrell taught me how to play football because his mum was the um, receptionist at school uh, and then he was trying to do his coaching badges so then um, taught football at St. James School. So I just that's, thought I'd let you know that. That's good. Gary Croft came to ours once. Did he? Uh, yeah, pre-Blackburn Rovers. That the most prob- famous that person. Probably community service though, wasn't it? <laughs> and I'm friends with Gary, so happy to answer face to face with that. He was <laughs> love Gary to bits. He's with, yeah, so that don't, but he won't. Does does he listen? I I, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't even think he knows the. I don't think he knows the lineup of the team when he turns up. For, he's just a pro, and he just turns up and just gets on with it. But yeah, he, yeah. If he wants me to apologise, I'll absolutely apologise to him, Gary Croft. <laughs> but yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good again. stuff. Just just bringing up more more legal issues for us. That's that's great. I've not got kids. I'm happy to go for a fight. That's the only reason I've been doing what I've been doing for the last few weeks. I've got no presents to buy. Bring it, Fenty. Uh, Tom, how are you? Looking diligent. Is which one have we got today? On is that Hibernian? Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad my eyesight's working. Um, and and Hannah, would you like to say hello as well? Or you... hi, everyone. 
Hannah is joining us as well. So we'll all have a quick chat about everything that's going on. Uh, anyone can chip in. Uh, raise your hands now. We're actually paying for some posh equipment, not nicking my works one. Uh, that'll be brilliant. Uh, they mysteriously turned it off last week. I wonder why. Uh, but <laughs> um, so, gentlemen, Paul Hurst and ladies, Paul Hurst, that's a very James Acaster joke. Um, and she was Latvian. Yeah. <laughs> So that's another James A. Okay, crack on. Sorry. No handbag mentions, please. Yeah. So um, we are, um, Paul Hurst has been named. I think it was probably the, the, the worst kept secret since Alex May turned up at the club. Um, how are we finding it? How are we feeling? I'd like a general consensus from everyone. We've already spoken to a gentleman from Shrewsbury about it. Uh, I want to get your immediate thoughts. Anybody got something straight off the bat? Um, I think it's the the obvious appointment, isn't it? When you look at the other candidates that were available, um, I don't know. Should we just pretend that the last four years didn't happen and pretend it's sort of December 2016? And he, he just took a couple months. of days. It just a couple of, took a couple of months off. That was it. Henry, the only the only problem with that is that we're a lot worse than we were when he left. We can't, yeah. really roll, we can't really roll from December 16 to December or January 21 seamlessly. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've got a job on. Did anyone else like, uh, I don't know if anyone else has been lucky enough to see the interview yet that was taken at halftime uh, before the Oldham game. Did anybody else like Nick Dale's uh, quick question of telling him that nothing has changed and thinking that that was a good thing? Nick Dale? Oh, not Nick Dale, sorry, Dale Ladson. Dale Ladson. Is, that, is mean, that part of the restructure? Yeah, it's part of the, he's trying to, Good everyone's trying Sweet. to get a burr in a hole for him at the moment. I'm trying to find a job he's better at. <laughs> so Nick Dale's doing social media interviews and Dale's stopping people from coming in the ground. I mean, crikey. Um, yeah, he said not much has changed, which is, I mean, I, I'm not going to slag Dale off, um, uh, but it's the same questions, isn't it? He's almost gone, right, what did I ask? Okay, what did I ask Alan Buckley when he came back for the second time? Okay, here we go. So not much has changed, has it? It's, um, it was a good interview. It was good to, I'm only, I'm only about three quarters of the way through, but it's a good, honest interview. And I think what will scare quite a lot of the footballers that are playing for Grimsby at the moment is he's obviously been watching the last four games as well. So he kind of said that he'd been there it was obviously at half time, but then he said that he's watched the last three or four games. So you can imagine quite a lot of them being like, ah, crap. <laughs> oh, God. But um, I think they're going to, I think they'll be, um, I think it's the most fearful appointment as well. I think he's the one manager that knows the club and already has his feet under the table a little bit. So he's going to take no, and he, he doesn't take any um, passengers, does he? Passengers? What's the, is that what I'm Prisoners? For? Prisoners, they're very different, aren't they? We're, we're not allowed to talk about prisoners after last podcast, just in case. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think he's going to take no prisoners. You know, he, he knows he knows the, the, the club already. He knows the majority of the players, obviously. I think it's just Macca, isn't it, that, that played under him? That uh, Maybe H, maybe Harry played under him a little bit. But yeah, you know, he, so he, he, knows, he knows the club. And I think, you know, it's almost like the players are like, oh, crikey. It's not a new manager, doesn't know anything. He knows the club pretty much inside out jason stockwood uh, has tweeted as, well. that. as fans we are absolutely thrilled about this right people to take the club forward well done john and philip uh for making this happen uh most importantly welcome back paul and chris uh so nice to see that uh jason uh and uh, everything is quite amicable after the uh, like of a tweet earlier uh, of, of a new beer being called fenty's tears uh, which is quite funny. He's, Jason is one of the nicest men. I've never met him. 
that you will ever meet. Like I've spoken to him a few times about other stuff that I'm doing with with him for uh, the youth club stuff, but he's one of the nicest blokes you ever meet. And just from the interviews that I've heard, you know, it's like crikey, breath of fresh air. And like that tweet, just take that tweet alone. How nice is that? Can you imagine? It's like would that tweet have gone the other way? Exactly. It's it's basically like when Trump left leave, is leaving office, he's not admitting defeat, and then you've got the other guy. What's his name? Who's just got it? Um, Harris's boss, uh, Biden, Joe, Biden, Biden. Yeah. I mean, that's not great, is it? Um, uh, you know, like him doing like just being really nice. It's but essentially that is what is that is what is happening. It's just, it, but you're right, Bruce. It would not have gone the other way. Gentlemen, how are we feeling about it? Uh, uh, it would be really interesting to get your feedback on Hurst. We we talked about him at length on the podcast during his time here. Uh, I think we were all at the time quite um, disappointed he left, given um, that the time was. I was slightly critical of him uh, during the during the conference years that I'd have hoped would have moved forward. But when we got into the conference, moving very well uh, from League Two, we were six, I believe, when he left in the league tables. Uh, it was a it's been a pretty uh, dramatic nosedive, hasn't it? I think there's um, it's the right appointment at the right time. We need somebody to come in and not have to worry about getting to know, you know, everything about the club, just straight in, feet under the desk and crack on with the job at hand, which is, of course, first and foremost, keeping us up. Um, I think that I was a little bit surprised that it then turned into a rolling 12-month deal because that sounds very John Fenty to me. And obviously the way everything's read is that the consortium has been involved in the appointment as well. But, you know, hopefully if he keeps us up and, you know, he gets everything that he was asking for previously to try and make the club more professional under the, the new owners uh, or hopefully new owners, then hopefully it also gives Paul a chance to rebuild his reputation, which I'm sure has taken a little bit of a knock between um, Ipswich and Scunthorpe over the last couple of years as well. Tom, what are you hoping for in the uh, from the installation of Paul and Chris? Are you, is there anything you're expecting to happen straight away or, or, or more long-term for this season? I think that we will hopefully shore it up at the back fairly quickly. And I like to think that um, given that he's been brought in charge just before the January window opens, uh, we I think we all know that Paul Hurst is really good at sort of keeping an eye on players in this division, the division below and the division above. And he, he touched on that in his, on his, in his interview. Uh, so hopefully he'll be able to get a couple of defenders in uh, and, a, and a striker and maybe get rid of a, a few as well. Because um, he must have built up some decent contacts uh, since, because he's been at three clubs since he left us now, which will no doubt have improved his uh, contact list. Uh, and just this time around, I'd like to see him uh, invest a bit more in, in youth players. Last time, he only really gave them an opportunity in the FA Trophy. Um, and since then, we've had sort of Max Wright, um, Matty Pollock, uh, Harry Clifton, and all break into the first team and, and basically make themselves starters. Uh, and we didn't really have that under Paul Hurst the first time around. We let a few sort of players go. Um, Dale uh, Southwell springs to mind, for example, who went on to be fairly successful in the league. Uh, so I'd like to see that as an improvement on his own sort of tenure this time. But I think it's a good appointment. Brilliant stuff. Well, I mean, all, all good all round. If anyone else has got anything to add before we move on to, to the other bits and bobs? Well, I just, I just on the appointment of, of, uh, of Hurst and Doig, um, I think just their recruitment policy... 
as we've seen, as um, Ollie from uh, Shrewsbury said, you know, he just brought in the right players at the right time. And we, we saw that his recruitment when he was here for the time he was here, even, you know, people like Maka, Disley, you know I mean, players that we, some are aware of some, but not of others. And you kind of think that he's been in and around, you know, obviously he had a, his uh, flit in, in, in the championship, but I just think that, you know, going on to what um, Thomas said, he'll bring in the right people at the right time. And he is on it with recruitment. You know, we'll, we'll know about who is about, who's a free agent. Obviously he said he's had agents contacting him when he wasn't at a club. But I just think that, and I'm not slagging off in Holloway, but I just think that he'll, he'll have a, a, a better understanding of who is the right player to bring in at League Two, given the situation that we're in and that we are, we're having to, you know, we're in a, a, a relegation scrap at the moment, which he's obviously proved himself at, at League One level with Shrewsbury as well. The, the, the one thing I, I hear all the time we've heard from people that I'm lucky to know inside the club uh, on a football level are that you don't meet anyone that will work harder. He's, he's, he just works totally non-stop. As you can tell, even in his down period, watching under-23 games, watching conference games, I'm sure Ian Holloway was doing exactly the same before he, he joined town. Uh, hence uh, the the raft of incredible appointments that were made during his uh, during his tenure here. I do think that um, it's going to be he likes to have a close knit squad. He emphasised that, and that's going to be that's got to be a real challenge for him in the first few months because it all depends, you know, with what he's inherited loan wise, with players that can go back and who we can who we can offload before we can bring people in as well. It's an interesting one. It was one that I think most people wanted. There's a few disenfranchised people on it but after seven years being in charge you're going to pick up people that nitpick at, at things but I'm, I'm really happy to see it but well, it's, it's fair to say that Bob is angry at everything <laughs> so it doesn't matter we could have appointed Pep Guardiola and Bob would still be like yeah everybody it all started with the takeover. Uh, it has been pretty much confirmed. Uh, anyone who was lucky enough to listen to Tony Butcher on uh, Humberside uh, this week gave a pretty good account of what was actually happening uh, in terms of, I believe it's called Heads of Terms. Please do correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but it essentially is almost like putting a down payment or a deposit on a house, which um, though it will now take maybe a month or so for it to go through, anyone who pulls out of the deal will now sort of have a pretty hefty financial penalty if that if they do so um is that make does that make everybody feel a little bit more confident this is going through obviously they pulled out in the 11th hour before christmas and 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 uh i believe matt dean said that they'd agreed heads of terms once before i'm not sure if anybody knows anything on that i'd, I'd not heard that i i'd heard that that had come from matt before but i I, I, I'm not sure if that is true, and I'm not saying Matt's lying, but I think to get to heads of terms would have would have warranted a, a statement from either side. Um, but the fact that it's in the public eye now that heads of terms have been agreed, and as you say, there is financial security on the line or financial insecurity on the line from one party. Um, you know, it makes a, it makes a massive difference, and I. I, I <sighs> You know, I'm not sure if you're aware. I'm not a huge fan of John Fenty. Um, it's but coming across. I, I'll scale it down. But <laughs> it, I, I, if if something were to go wrong now, you would almost imagine it would be from his side. And if it would to if the deal were to collapse, you know, you would expect that it would all hell were to break loose from the fans. And a big props as well to our um, props, like it's uh, one extra. 
uh, a great work from the the band of brothers of the the Fenty Out campaign from both on social media, both on Twitter, Facebook, the little WhatsApp group we helped put together. Um, it, it helped create pressure and it helps uh, sort of make people know that it wasn't just social media. Other people were getting involved and other people weren't happy. However, however, sort of one sided the polls would have been. There were certainly parts within the in the club that didn't think that was necessarily a, a, a relatively uh, correct view of, of what the fan base was thinking at the time. Uh, so those Fenty Out posters did their work. Who thought that all it would take is just to put a few posters on a on the front door of the club to to get it done. What do we what do we expect to happen now? Is in terms of who's running the club and 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 what the the, the sort of the conversations are. We've got budget conversations going on. Do we know whether or not we're going to have to offload a lot of players before we bring people on? Um, does anybody has any thoughts on it, Tom? Well, given that we've used I think thirty two players this season. <laughs> Um, if we are going to bring some more players in, I'd imagine that some players are going to have to go because, you know, if we let's say we brought five players and we'd be nearly up to a squad of 40, which is ridiculous. Um, for, we don't have enough porter cabins for a start. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we need some players to go as well. The, the one thing I did want to say about Hurst, which is if I was one of them players that have come into the side from non-league, like uh, Ira Jackson Jr. or Montel Gibson, I'd be buoyed by um, her appointment because he, he did bring players to Grimsby from lower divisions the first time round, both when we was in in the conference and challenging, and then when we went up into the league. Um, so hopefully that'll give them some confidence to you know to, to keep fighting for a, a starting place um, and, and keep improving. I think with regards to the the, the size of the squad, like during the commentary at Morecambe. You know, Scott Woodthorpe, um, very professional lad, had everything all prepared. Like, just comparing it to Morecambe, Morecambe had like a squad of maybe 24 or maybe even 20. And then the Grimsby Town squad were on three pieces of paper. It was so, it was ridiculous. And also you just got to think, and this is a silly thing to think, we're going, it's a health and safety issue as well. Like we're trying to isolate, trying to keep as far away from each other as possible. And we've got a squad that is, we can't even fit on a coach so it's it is I think just as a logistical point of view, and it's not you know it's not an important thing, but it's you know, what well, where do those other people go? Like when they're training, like you can't have like the uh, the training grounds not massive at all. Like where where are, where are those people going? So inevitably, there's going to be uh, I'm not, I don't want to say the word cull, but I'd say a um, a stripping of of the squad almost definitely because we can't operate that you know you don't want me it's nice to have a good squad but and, and, you know we are lacking in certain areas I mean you looked at the the game last night that we we're just not very good in the final third at all even getting to the final third is an issue so we need to strengthen in some areas and really strip down in a lot maybe there'll be a great maybe maybe there'll be a graveyard shift if you get nights you know you know you're really out of the reckoning I'm slightly worried that they will be offering nights until until this takeover is done. Ian, what were your thoughts on it, and 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 do you have anything to to add to it? I think that the obvious first part of call will be that Hurst will probably look at a lot of the loanees. Um, is it five you can have involved in a single match day squad anyway? And we've got seven at the moment. We did have eight, of course, but I think one has gone back now already, hasn't he? I think two. But, I think Morton's gone back as well. Oh, has Morton gone back as well? I, think, I believe Morton and Windsor have gone back, but I'll be yeah. happy to say that if that's wrong. No, no, I, I apologise I'd missed Morton. I saw Windsor had gone back. Um, but there's a couple of them who've barely been involved at all. Um, 
for a variety of reasons. Um, I'm sure that in some cases, even Holloway had decided that they weren't quite at the level we were looking for. Um, so you would expect that those will be going back straight away. Um, whether we were paying any wages towards them or not, I don't know with them being young players looking to get a few games under their belt. <clears throat> but in terms of actually offloading people on permanent contracts, I'm not sure that that is something that we can look towards at the moment because unless we were to pay them off, which would ne- not necessarily be great financially because they've, they've most cases are only going to have six months left on the contract. Would so it might include, just be a case. Would that include be included in the, the cap? in terms of they've paid that that contracted money up front? Uh, it's a good question. And I'll be honest, one I don't, strictly speaking, know the answer to. Um, oh, Tommy, but you I would imagine. That. I think our, our man in the know might. Uh, I, I don't know, actually. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. Oh, I'm just, just going to mute you then. <laughs> that, um, I think uh, you know, that's where her sort of expanded contacts list will come in and he might be able to offload some players from the squad by sending them out on loan, you know, in the same way that they sent out uh, our keeper, um, who's been recalled, whose name escapes now. Ollie, Ollie Battersby. I think that the, you know that might that is an option, and especially with us being in League Two now, you can send someone to the conference as we have done in the last couple of seasons. That they might like get game time, uh, maybe get a few goals, and then get a pro contract somewhere else and that that is all right we're near the bottom but it's, it is still an option for us to in order to thin down the squad I mean Gomi for example who's on loan from Forest surely he's got to go back I think he has gone back actually I would say I'm checking the page on the, the, the town web page but that's about as useful as throwing sand up in the air really you better, um, off, on, you better off on Cod Almighty aren't you? yeah Owen yeah. Windsor's still here and he's not on he's not even here on loan I think we've uh, still got Elliot Whitehouse in the squad as well have we been probably? Let me have a check. Now, the, the town website until just before the start of the season had five players that had been released still listed in our squad. So I wouldn't count on the town official website for the squad list. Maybe it was just hopeful thinking. Um, <laughs> what did we, um, what did we, let's, let's touch on what was probably one of the most boring games of football uh, we've ever been able to produce. Uh, a nil-nil with Oldham. Uh, it was a point. Has anyone got any thoughts on it? I thought we, we're industrial, industrious, but blunt. That's about right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Okay. Go on then, mate. Yeah, it was boring, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, but we did only concede 12 fouls, which is a vast improvement on what we have been doing recently. Do you have uh, the stats on that? What's been the average before? Uh, over 15 per game. Okay. So it's like 20% better. Um, and that obviously includes like offsides and stuff as well, because that counts as a foul. Um, oh, oh, so, our know, our back line think, aren't quick enough to catch people offside, are they? No, but we're, our, our forward line not getting back quick enough. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, uh, a little bit of discipline, hopefully, sort of creeping in under Ben Davis there, because 20% improvement on fouls committed is an improvement provided we see that over the next few games. Again, I think the the major sort of thing we saw from the game last night was that we really struggle up front to create goal-scoring opportunities, unfortunately. And we didn't really have many shots. Like, I can't see us having many shots in anger. And then we struggled to deal with, was it their number 24? I can't remember his name. Um, Brilliant. Bamboola? 
I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, sorry, Tom, I, I, I agree. I, uh, I actually thought the two sides were pretty similar and he was the difference. And I think if you'd have put him probably into our side, uh, we looked solid and he might have helped us create because he was the main man, wasn't he? Are you just going to come off mute to say yes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, it, Bambula. Yeah. Bambula. Is that him? Yeah. He he was he was brilliant. He really Congolese was. Congolese lad, yeah. He did the did little um, flick over. I think, uh, is it Preston? Preston Rose uh, did a little flick over Rose's head. No, Preston's. Who, who plays left back? I mean, it's, Preston. Preston. Yeah. No, 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 no. Gallimore. Gallimore. He, he did he... a flick over Kieran Toner's head, and <laughs> it was you just, just looking at it and not that we mention it, but you go, well, that's straight into soccer. I am. Oh, that's the showboat on Saturday morning. He was unbelievable. He was just like a, he was, as I say, Bruce, he was the difference in the, in the two teams completely. He was just, every time he went forward, he, I was cacking my pants, being like, here we go. It was, it was, it was a point though, wasn't it? We, we, we held on. We had a couple of chances. Uh, is it the start of something now? It's very much a, a Paul Hurst style sort of uh, point, point when things are going against us. Is this the turn in the tide and we're going to expect a, a raft of improvements now, or are we going to see a, a longer process, Tom? Well, I think we do have um, a couple of things going for us in that, firstly, our sort of back four and keeper are fairly settled. Like, it's generally sort of Waterfall, Pollock, Hendry uh, and, and Hewitt, correct me, or Preston, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. And then it's usually Macker in goal. Obviously, last night he wasn't there because he was... Uh, ill or self-isolating um, so like he's got a base to work with and he, he knows like one of the pivotal players within that back line which, he, which is Maka so he's got like a, a ready working relationship there so you'd like to think that that's going to improve fairly quickly and that Ben Davis and has been working on that in the, you know, the week or so that he's been in charge because we do seem to be a bit better at the back I think you everybody would agree. Um, and then the main thing is going forward. Well, we're hardly scoring any goals at the minute. So really that can can only get better, can't it? Um, so I, I think it probably will improve. Personally, I think it will improve really quickly um, under Hurst. And I'm going to stick my neck out and say we're going to make a late search for the playoffs. I, I, I mean, I love... Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I um, I the only thing I disagree. At, well, uh, there's a couple of things I disagree on there. If that's all right, um, I thought our defending at Morecambe was uh, shocking. Do you know what I mean the goals that we conceded were all really, like really, really sloppy? Do you know what I mean crosses that we didn't deal with, and then defending in the box we didn't deal with. So I, I but again, do you know what I mean I, I think last night was a little bit better, but still I still feel nervous whenever teams go forward, and I just feel that they always might score, whereas I never feel that when, when we go forward. What will be interesting, and I've, I've not seen the news, but I presume Ben Davis is staying put um, with, with the team, which adds just a bigger coaching staff than we've probably had before. Um, and I know that Doigie was very much in charge of shoring up our defence last time. So with Doigie and also Benji, you kind of think, well, here we go. I mean, we've got you know, a, a decent, a decent um, managerial, well, trio here, really, isn't it? Um, so I, I think, it'll, I think it will get better, and we need to shore up that defence because I, I actually think it's, it's, 
Morecambe was 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 quite worrying the way that they actually got some really easy goals uh, past us. It seems it seems a lifetime ago, Morecambe. But sorry, Bruce, I'll let you go first. No, I was just going to say that I think it's um, we we say about the defence, but that we've conceded too many goals, which we have. But you look at it and sort of four of the back five, if you include Macca, probably played against um, Scunthorpe when we were, you know, at the end of last season, mm. didn't they? Was it Pollock and Wars full centre-half? And, yeah, it would have been, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure whether Henry was playing, but, I mean, he's a solid right-back. We we really shouldn't be having the problems that we are. And, I mean, we've got more midfielders, or we've, you know, we maybe let some of them go now, but we've got more midfielders than we've got any other position. And I think that's probably the problem in the team. Um, the, the back four are left exposed and we're also... You know, how long is it since we've had midfielders that score? I mean, it's season, it's seasons and seasons. Disley, um, you know, that maybe got in the box and got eight or ten a season. I mean, he didn't get Groves' numbers, but, but you know, who would? But I just think, you know, the, the defence has got basically the same personnel. Yes, Preston gets exposed sometimes, but they're not that different from what they were last season. Is it confidence or are they not getting the support from other areas of the field that they need? I'm, I'm really not sure. It's, 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 it's hopefully going to be seeing some more, uh, especially those link-up plays when we're moving from defence to attack. Um, it would be nice to see something come out of it. I see Mr. Spring has arrived. Um, Jack, how are you? You've come back safely from Hampshire. How is everything your end? Evening, Shaggers. Yeah, superb. I was just making a lasagna. I was listening in, uh, but I, I've since finished said lasagna. I just wanted to compliment your very fancy new microphone stand. Thank you very much, Seb. Kindly bought for by yourself. Uh, do you want to, Are you able to share your police story from earlier that you shared with me? Oh, uh, yeah. So I bought a new new car and I got up the Mariners license plates and they're new. And I got stopped over like a week ago because I hadn't told the insurance company about it or they hadn't updated it or something. And then in the boot, there are two um, dead bodies. Dead bodies. It's basically uh, the scene from Snatch. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Two dead bodies and two um, expletive written license plates from film shoots that we've done. What did they say? And, uh, uh, one says rim job and the other one said disabled. And um, the coppers um, didn't find the funny side. So I got a firm beating. <laughs> beating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, verbal beating. Um, I thought they would. So I had to go find the other, the old plates in the boot because I couldn't remember what the actual car registered plates were. Well, you've so I, I mean we can edit this bit out as well, but um, you you do have um, sort of dealings with the consortium. Are we allowed to say that publicly, or do you want me to chop that bit? Uh, I can talk very vaguely. Uh, well, uh, one of them is invested in one of my film projects um, and is very nice. No, they're. I mean, uh, I've had dealings with two of them, and they are. Um, yeah, both massive town fans. I think uh, one of them I dealt with before there was kind of any talk of consortium um, and was very, very helpful and very, very nice. And the other one also. Um, so, yeah, top marks from me. A good week to be a town fan. Did you did you want to plug anything before uh, I leave you to your lasagna? Uh, I've eaten the lasagna, mate. It's too late. I tried to concoct a... Um, I wanted like a McFlurry and I couldn't be asked to go out. So I've done a, one of them instant porridge pots and just like put bits of after eights in there. So I've got that to look forward to. Um, but no, plug it, plugging away, mate. 
trying to shoot this damn this damn movie in May, but COVID's holding us back now. Should be arrested for that, mate. That is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I was was trying to trick my senses into believing it would be like him. I mean, it has the McFlurry. I don't want to move on from this shit. Yeah. Have you lost your (laughs) Have you lost your sense of taste? Uh, I haven't tasted it yet. I was I was maybe going to put it in the freezer and see if it would. No. So is it just basic porridge? Uh, No, it's um. Uh, what's the stuff that's like honey but not honey? Golden syrup. Okay. Um, golden syrup flavored honey. The council estates honey. Golden syrup flavored honey. <laughs> golden, uh, golden syrup flavored porridge. Um, and then you've added old... after 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 eight minutes, and you've left them to melt. I assume. I uh, put it in the fridge. Okay. Um, I don't know what really I'm trying to achieve by putting it in the fridge because not very nice, is it? In retrospect, I think the um, yeah, the Almost. lasagna. <laughs> I might just go Mackey's. I, I mean, it would be. I mean, I'll happily donate a quid for a McFlurry if you need it. <laughs> it's the it's zero degrees in London, and I've just I've just done a run and got out of the shower. So I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, and I don't want to put trousers on. You were in shorts and a t-shirt when I saw you this afternoon. So don't say that that's a new yeah. development. You, yeah, you you're living like you're in Miami still. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think I've worn trousers about four times in the last eight months. It's been bliss. So what oh. have, what have your thoughts been of of matches of late and of Hurst coming in? We have we've, we've spoken to everybody else. It'd be great to get your thoughts. Uh, good. Well, no, that's coming in good. Pretty um, yeah, <laughs> uh, pretty rubbish. Um, Oldham was boring. Scunny was good. Um, we didn't play very well, but hey ho. Uh, yeah, they've all kind of morphed into one kind of boring drubbing. To be honest, I couldn't really tell you any of our last four opponents minus three of them that come to mind now. Actually. But the lot before that, yeah, bit shit. But Hurst coming in, good appointment. Uh, two and a half year deal, is it? That's quite long for a manager at town. But is it a two eighteen months? Eighteen months. Well, I saw. I've seen. So the, I saw a tweet that said eighteen months, and then the club website saying till summer twenty twenty three, which is two two and a half years away, isn't it? Um, the club website. Eighteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it says um, <laughs> till summer twenty twenty three. So I don't. It says he's out on loan to Morecambe at the moment. Is that's what? We're not saying, we're not saying there's, a, there's a discrepancy on the web club website, are we? <laughs> you would have thought they'd get that one right there, quirky. Um, um, but yeah, uh, good, basically solid. I want to quickly um, j- touch on something because we we spoke something we spoke recently about the the defence and 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 Hendry as well playing particularly well. Obviously, uh, got his hundredth game this week. Uh, He's within six months of his contract now, and I assume he's now open up to negotiate with whoever he, whoever he likes. Have we let another one go through poor uh, contract management within the club? Has anyone got any concerns on that, or do you think it'll be all tidied up? Well, um, he can only actually talk to foreign clubs at the moment. Um, he can't talk to anybody else in England until one so month like left Newport. in his deal. Yeah, <laughs> now, he can talk to, to Scottish clubs. Um, Newport, no, because obviously they're in the English league structure, but um, I, th- I think that um, one of the first things, if Harris has been watching the games and knows anything about Hendry, and I think there was a suggestion that Hendry had been recommended to Jolly by Hurst as well. Um, I saw a suggestion of that. So, you know, if it is somebody that's on his radar, then he'll be obviously looking to try and get that deal tidied up if he still fancies him and rates him, of course. I feel with uh, with Tom's um, stats and Ian's knowledge that I ought to be adding more to this, really. I perhaps need to up my game a little bit for uh, a newcomer. 
Oh, don't worry about it. It's absolutely fine. Uh, I had nothing more than the recording ability, and that's it. I tell you who I'm looking at, the Frenchman. The Frenchman was an absolute disgrace when he went on. Welcome back to part two. We're going to be speaking to Ollie now, who is at the Salopcast, uh, obviously with Paul Hurst now getting his hands back on the reins at Blundell Park. We know pretty much all we can do about the man, and whether you think he's a Dower Yorkshireman or a keen go-getter or a pragmatist, it is really worth speaking to those who have had him since he left Blundell Park. And one thing I was really interested in learning about was exactly how Paul Hurst took Shrewsbury, who were facing relegation uh, when he joined them, and took them and moved them not only away from it, but the following season were close from contenders for promotion to the Championship. Are you going to get a young manager who's from non-league? So, yeah, that was kind of where we were. But um, we were really tired of Mickey Mellon. Um, he hadn't done a very good job of us. Um, a lot of excuses so we're just really really pleased to get a change of a manager to be honest um, and yeah as you say he came in we were bottom of the league and um, I remember us all saying he must have had some kind of agreement that if we go down he'll still be our manager that's how bad the situation was exactly what kind of position were the club in when when he took over them was there was there many bright spots was were many of the players that were there there 12 months later or was it a couple a couple of players were there were still there um, players like Gogo um, who became a bit of a stalwart of the team. And we had Jack Grimmer on loan, who obviously now plays for Wickham. So there's a few decent players in the squad. Um, we had um, Louis Dodds, who hadn't really fired. But Mickey Mellon's talked about signing League One ready players, and we never saw them. And the team was just a bit of an absolute shambles, to be honest. Um, you kept changing formation and changing team every week. Um, and fans were tired of, of kind of his excuses. And in the end, he turned on the fans a bit, and it all kind of got a bit sour. Mickey Mellon when he left and then Paul Hurst came in um, little, little chappy who's kind of really happy and talking a lot and sharing information and um, talking about some basics it was yeah it was a bit refreshing to be honest I can, I can imagine what was what were the um, what were the sort of the main differences you saw I guess pretty quickly because that's what we're hoping for at the moment yeah he came in he came in in October um, so obviously it was a bit earlier in the season than he's come to you guys now um, and yeah, he's basically from a kind of, there's almost like two halves of his story in the first season and was kind of get into January, then after January, get into January, he just kept it quite simple. And we went to 4-4-2, we were playing three at the back and wing backs. Um, and he basically went to 4-4-2, very, very simple. Uh, first game, he got a draw and then he got a win at home to Oxford. Um, we then lost a couple of games um, and then we had a bit of a turning point um, away at Millwall, we won 1-0 and scrapped for our lives um, and really, really upset Millwall fans who were like, who on earth is Shrewsbury and how dare they beat us um, kind of mentality. It was really quite funny. And it was a bit of a turning point there because it kind of gave us a bit of belief that he could turn the team round. Um, and the difference between Mickey Mellon's side and Paul Hurst's side um, was, was, was huge. Um, Organisation um, was much, much better. Um, and the players were just working harder and he started to build the fitness of the squad up. Perfect. And what were your sort of overriding memories of him? And and obviously he moved on to Ipswich um, within sort of two years or so. But what was the the legacy that he left? Um, I guess in terms of what was Paul Hurst's, I guess okay, keeping to that first season, January was an absolute masterstroke in signings. Um, so we signed Toto Enciala from Hartlepool, uh, who was absolutely brilliant for us. Bryn Morris, who now plays for Portsmouth on a free and Alex Rudman, who was just brilliant as well in the second season. And then on loan, loans were key. So we've got Freddie Ladapo, we've got Tyler Roberts, 
Um, we got um, Stephen Humphreys and, and Stefan Payne. So we just signed loads of strikers. Um, and we would basically play kind of 4-4-2, but kind of Tyler Roberts dropping back in the kind of Sheringham role. Um, and we were just brilliant in the second. After basically from basically January into February, we just went on a run of just winning virtually every game. Um, and we just kind of pulled ourselves out of promote out of relegation. Um, and in that season, our points at home were basically two. We get two points per game at home. And it was our home form that really saved us. I'm glad. I'm really glad to hear it. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry it was so good. No worries. We will join no you worries. one day soon. Uh, see you <laughs> in a couple of years, um, obviously on the bypass to the championship. But Ollie from Salad Podcast, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, guys, and good luck. Hope you have a better 2021. <laughs> can hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Does that mean he's on his way? Does that mean... John, don't ask me questions like that. Would you put him on his way today? Let me ask it you. The porridge stuff's actually all right. Okay. I mean, stay on the line, Jack, because I am slightly worried that it might not be okay later. It's all right, man. It's all right. I'll send, uh, I'll send a video. And so when we say the Quakers um, have, have added it as a line to their two-minute porridge uh, <laughs> deal. Uh, so, questions-wise, we've got a lot. I'm still scrolling. I think it's an interesting thing, though, that basically this has all happened whilst no fans have been allowed in the stands. Like, imagine with this whole fancy out thing, if even if you had 2,500 people on a Tuesday night, I mean, just the noise that would have been made and, and stuff. So I think it's a bit of a blessing in disguise for the people that have decided to sell their shares that there was nobody in the stands because it wouldn't have been great for your ego. Well, uh, well, Ben Ben Ranshaw on that sort of topic asks, uh, do you think Fenty will be buying a half-season ticket with no guarantee of a refund being the big fan he is? Uh, anyone want to take that one on? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. you imagine him sitting in the pontoon? You're happy to have him next to you in the pontoon, Bruce and Ian? I think the best thing I could hope for is that he would lead chance in the style of like Mike Dean at Tranmere. <laughs> Imagine just topless Fenty in the pontoon. Do you know what I mean? Well, we've seen it once. Well, that's yeah, but true. I mean, that was for charity, wasn't it? And he'll, he'll let us know that. Um, but the the, the, the thing that and I, when I first started doing TV stuff or, you know, uh, people were uh, like aware of me who I didn't know, were going, oh, yeah, you've always been a town fan, have you? Well, I haven't seen you before. Going, well, get, there's three and a half thousand people here. Like, it's not as, you know... I, I sit with my mum, like upper fenders or main, like I'm not like knob out in the in the pontoon. But the thing, and I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm doing this to to John Fenty, but like, did anyone ever see him before? He was like, did anyone ever ever actually see him in the stands as a fan, or was he just like? I it mean, the, it would be the same though, wouldn't it? You wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't. Well, have no, known, exactly, wouldn't exactly. Have but I don't, I don't. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. I don't want. I don't want to be like that. Oh yeah, where were you in '92? But like, <laughs> where were you I when just, we were third division? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just, yeah, I just, I just wonder if I, I, it's just like the Queen. I can't really imagine the Queen any anything other than Buckingham Palace. You know what I mean, I just can't imagine John Fenty like queuing up for a burger. Well, that was the thing that um, Cod Almighty and a couple of other people were talking about, wasn't it? A few days ago, how when he joined the fishy, he said he wanted to take us back to the glory days of the 99 double. <laughs> Maybe yeah, he's just talking about that. 99, wasn't it? 98, 99. Oh, oh dear. I might have a lint ball. Go on. So, I mean, he wanted to know as well, how confident are you that we'll stay up? I think uh, given the recent developments, I mean, this was sent before Hurst was announced, I believe. So I'm relatively confident now. There are a lot of shit teams in this league. 
think that's it. There's, there's a lot of dross out there ourselves that we've seen. You've just got to be slightly better than two of the other teams in the league and that should be enough. Sorry on that note. I also think that, again, bringing Hurst in, I think he's aware of the the teams around us. You know, he, he managed Scunthorpe, so he's aware of them. I think he'll have an absolute understanding of Bradford, um, not just because he's a Yorkshireman, but I think he would have had an eye on them anyway for, for, for various reasons. Michael Jolly's at Barrow. So I just think that he will have a, a clearer understanding of the teams that are around us. Obviously, you've just got to focus on the team that you're playing in the next fixture, but I just think that he ultimately is the right man for the job for a number of reasons. James, uh, James McDonald wanted to, uh, to know, and it's a good question, and I'll put it out to the to you to you all. So they said uh, you would love to know the thoughts on how many uh, more people will go back to games once Fenty is left. Um, obviously, once we're all allowed to go back, uh, I've been hearing for years lots of people saying they won't be going back till till he leaves. I know certainly of a couple of people that will be returning. Um, how about you guys? Have you got anyone's within your circles of town fans that you know will be returning, or is it just a few loud loud ones? Um, I know of a legend that will definitely be going back that hasn't felt like he's been welcome for years and years and years. And it's like, it's stories like that. I got, I talked about it in my like semi rant uh, at Morecambe. I got contacted on Christmas Eve by a player who read the Cod Almighty interview that I did about John Fenty's treatment of players. And he said exactly the same thing. He's like, I haven't been able to go back to my boyhood club, the team that I supported my whole life, the team that I played for because of the way that I was dealt with by John Fenty. So it's just small things like that, you know what I mean? That people that belong at Blundell Park, someone that has played over 700 times for Grimsby Town, someone that who grew up going to Blundell Park with their family, playing for them, and then almost ostracised by someone in charge. Those people, you know, and again, going back to that tweet that we just saw that was just... Everyone underneath it was just saying, this is a breath of fresh air. It just feels like the club is now back in the arms of the fans and everyone is welcome with open arms. So there will be certain people that we all know that will be able to come back. But it's just that feeling that it's now back in, not the property of the fans, but you just feel like it's a family club again. Family club run again. And we've got a club back, hopefully, touch wood. Deal. Yes, Bruce. There's, there's, I think there's, the thing is that what, what the, the overriding feeling that I've got is hope. That hope for something, you know, that, that something better might happen. We've, you know, I've put the stats up on Twitter, and it bore, it bores me that I do that I do it all the time. But you know, for for the past sort of 15 years, you know, we've not finished above 14th in League Two. It, it's wow. you know, it's it's our average our average average position. I was told the other week. Please don't tell us, Bruce. Again, it makes me cry. Is ninety first in the last in the last fifteen years, ninety first yeah. in the football league, with with obviously being in the conference below the football league and where we've finished. Who's ninety second? Do we know I, who's ninety second? I, 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 I honestly don't care. Sleep. Yeah, fuck you, Ebb Sleep. But, little, little slugs. <laughs> but it just it just it just it just, fe- it just feels you know whatever you whatever you think of the current you know majority shareholders and the board and everything like that, it just feels and it has felt for a long long time like it just needs change. Whether you like them or dislike them, I mean, we've had the conversation before, Alex, on a, a couple of pods ago that you know you were saying that how long would a you know a successful business have the same person driving it, and and we're not even being successful, and I just it just it just feels and I've, I've tried to never be disrespectful of anybody or I don't like abuse, 
you know things have things have changed in the last couple of weeks. But obviously, some people that were were semi happy or content have, have have moved away from that feeling. Yeah, but I, I but I, I just I just think that that and I think I think the people on the board needed change. They they they've done what they could, mm. and I and I and I and I do believe that in the early years that that John made a difference in the in you know when we came out of the ITV digital thing. But for 10, 12, 13 years since then, we've just done nothing. The club hasn't progressed. We've just stood still while others have moved forward. Just on the subject of people coming back, did anyone, it would have been, what, what season was it when we lost to Bristol Rovers in the final? Was that 14, 15? 14, 15, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So did 14, anyone go to Chester away that season? We went 2-0 up early doors and ended up drawing 2 all. Which one, sorry, mate? This would be a Danny Parslow game, wouldn't it? Chester away. Oh yeah, bringing on Parslow. That's where it comes comes from. Bring Parslow on. So that that, that season at um, Chester away, uh, right at the end of the game, I was. Did, did anyone else go to that game? I didn't go. No. So I, I, we had like sort of behind the goal, and then halfway up one side of Chester's ground, and I was like sort of halfway up one side, and there was a bloke sort of just down from me, and at the end of the game, when obviously we'd drawn and dropped two points. Um, he, he like just absolutely lost it, and he was he, he like screams like really high pitched at the top of his voice, and he went he just shouted, "Hurst, you're ruining the club." And I, I'd, I'd quite like to know if he's going to come back. So if he is listening, <laughs> can he tweet us or send us a message to say whether or not he'll be coming back with Fenty now gone and Hurst uh, back at the helm? Uh, I, I thought that was an overreaction at the time. Tom, uh, put, put, can I, can put, I also, sorry, Alex, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, that's all right. Can I, can, I, uh, can I also ask that for people who booed those that protested two years ago uh, to uh, get in touch? Because uh, I'd like to know how much better off we are now than we were two years ago. <laughs> the, 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 other, the last game that I can remember where we got to a point where it was quite toxic was Cambridge away. Uh, there was quite a lot going on after was that. that with that one? Was that with the... Um, yeah, uh, with, was it Vernon? Vernon? Yeah. Vernon basically apparently gestured towards the fans. Yeah, he did. And it was snowing, I think. It was bloody cold. I don't know if it was snowing, but yeah. Was it snowing? I can't remember. Well, that might be another Cambridge day. But yeah, that was that was a, a bad day and there was a lot of people. I think that had been designated a, a Fenty Out sort of day and there was quite a lot of people hushing everybody up. Uh, it's just one of these things, isn't it? But, but I'm glad we can hopefully move on. We're all going to live in harmony now, like in that Lionel Hutz moment where everyone's holding hands. Um, so uh, Rich, Lord, Rich Lord asked, uh, will and should Holloway get another managerial job after um, making, a, making a quick beeline for the exit? Absolutely not. Scunny would be Absolutely good for Absolutely not. I mean, the story as well that he asked... Day slash Fenty to sack him a week before he leaves is makes him an even bigger coward because the reason that he presumably was asked to be sacked was so it didn't look like his decision and potentially there's a payoff for him as well. Do you think? Um, <clears throat> so, do you think he was sending that tweet as he was asking Day? I really hope he was. <laughs> I really hope he was. But it's it's you know everybody said it was a coward's move anyway that he was he sent a message tweet five six days before saying I'm not going anywhere unless I'm told to go which was presumably his shout out to Fenty and Dade to tell me to go. Um, but then, as I say, the thing with being sacked is, one, it looks like you haven't gone of your own volition and you're still happy to stay at the club and want to be there. And two, as I say, potentially there's some form of payout from it. 
So not only was this a guy who was supposedly coming on the board to invest a hundred grand into us, but he was then also happy to take some money out of our budget in a season when he has been spending all of his time. And I do mean all of his time because he certainly wasn't coaching the team, but all over Sky Sports and other places complaining about how the non-league teams are being shafted. (laughs) It's very true. Um, Matt Woods wants a Twitter World Cup of Fenty's best moments. So, Bruce, I know you're not here at the moment. I'm just looking at an empty chair, but um, I'm going to put that on your to-do list because that will certainly be worth uh, worth adding. Uh, Tom Drant uh, would like to know what would be the realistic five-year plan uh, starting next season under a new owner. Uh, are we looking at League One, higher? Um, granted, we're sort of three years into our five-year championship plan. Uh, so what would be considered success and failure in those five years? And when and where do we hope we think the new stadium should be built? I think it's going to be built uh, where the, the architecture dealings are in terms of on, on the fish docks, isn't it, everybody? I'm pretty sure it would be, hopefully. It's, well, uh, it's looking that way. But either yeah, way. I, I'd quite, I wouldn't mind Peaks Parkway because, you know, all my family are from Skegness, so it'd be a lot easier for us. <laughs> you would rather build it in Peaks Parkway next to Soddle just so you save 10 minutes in the car? Well, yeah, I mean, like, as there's no public transport for us. Uh, you so... don't need public transport. <laughs> don't need you getting out of your tea. Uh, I'm, I'm only joking. I'd, I'd quite like to see it uh, as the original plan suggested, sort of in the Freeman Street docks area. But um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Look, I think I think there's, there's there's plans that have been approved that could happen Im- imminently down Freeman Street. The designs from Hodgson's Architects, um, and I know that 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 various meetings have happened about that, um, and it looks quite nice. But then also I know that with the consortium's plans, they looked at draining one of the docks at the docks um, and building it there, which would attract. A different kind of audience. I mean, looking at this. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Do you want to go Grimsby? Nah, I'm all right. Well, they've got a, they've got a ground that's below sea level. Oh, yeah, no. I'll, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I thought you were thinking more about the area in which it was residing. No, I think I mean, it's, way. it's very much the same. No, sorry. No, I didn't mean that at all. And that's disgusting that you'd ever think that I'd think like that. Um, I just think that the way in which the, the stadium would be built within the dock would it would put us on oh, this sounds so um thank you it puts on it put the club on the map do you know what i mean like it would it would it, it would be like wow look at this it would be a big news thing much in the yeah. same way that forest greens stadium is made out of balsa wood or something but you know people go oh it's a vegetarian step like this would be a big thing for us but it'll cost a lot of money and if that's taken care of by the consortium in other ways then Get us in the bloody dock, and I'll help scoop out the water. The only thing, the only thing I would say is that look at those plans that, I've, that have circulated before. We, I'm not sure about having that that, that upper tier that had a high roof. Anyone that's sat in the Findus near the sea will tell you that the, the ground probably wants to be fairly level. I, I would like to just change it the other, just move it the other way. I know it looks quite nice overlooking the marina and stuff, but just block the wind in. That's all we're asking for. Um, but um, I, I think it looks great, and hopefully we'll see some more plans coming out. If it did, it would certainly be an attraction, and it I would certainly. Be- yeah. I can't believe there's people saying that we don't want an upper tier looking out onto the Humber. Like that's one of the highlights of being in the Upper Smiths when the match is rubbish. <laughs> you can just watch the ships. I just, I just worry for people's safety. That's all, Tom. 
I mean, I know we're a hardy punch, but maybe I've been living down south too long. Did, yeah. did anyone? Did anyone go to the uh, Tranmere game when we beat them five two? Anybody? It was that was one of the coldest I have. If we, it was one of the coldest games I've ever been to. And I've been to, and I stood on that concourse at Wembley in 2013. I was about to say, was, was it the? The Wrexham one. The Wrexham one was freezing. Oh my God. That, 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 that was, that, the, was the, wind, the wind howling down Wembley Way and we were straight was, in that corner. It was insane. Oh. <laughs> it was like, everyone's like going, is, have, they put, have, they, have they put this on for us? Do you know what I mean? So we feel like we're at home. Do you know what I mean? Like just yeah. the sound yeah, of the shit. Them, them lads will think, they're in a, they'll think they're in a cold store. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. No, um, I'm sorry. Forest Green away a couple of seasons ago was a lot colder than that. Before, be, as, as, at Forest Green, had, like the... The crush barriers, and before kickoff, the sort of it rained like the day before, and like little pools of like water had formed on the top of the crush barriers. And before kickoff, the water on the crush barriers had frozen. That was Ben yeah. from Bristol. He said that was the coldest I've been at since Peterborough away when we were in what is now League One, and I was at that game as well, and that was freezing. And they were both colder than Wembley. I tweeted a couple of games, a couple of couple of games, a couple of days ago about a uh, a game just after I started driving. We went to what to Roker Park. Um, town lost two nil, and my mates gazelles froze to the stand. We were, <laughs> we were stood at the front. We were stood at the front, and he, we, we didn't have a goal. To, he didn't move all game, and his gazelles froze to the stand. I actually, I, obviously, this is a very uh, I, I'm in a very loose position. I went to Morecambe the other day, and um, but that was cold. Me and Scott were up, and he was like. I'm really glad I put my thermals on. I was like, oh, I'm going to punch you in a minute, mate. Ooh. But we're out, just out on the out on the thing. Like, I did, thought we'd did, have some sort of covering. Did Fenty's death stare not keep you warm? I'm legally not allowed to talk about anything that happened at the game. Okay, let's move on. Okay, let's move on. So um, I think we covered most of that. Bruce, obviously, unfortunately, while you're away, we've uh, found your next uh, round-robin tournament. Uh, Matt Woods wants a, a Twitter World Cup of Fenty's best moments. So if you can get on that, that'd be great. I've already sorry. I've already said that there are certain things that I will not have on my hard drive, <laughs> and um, unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, there are other things that are more important. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Sarah Cook as well uh, asked if uh, I realised the last one was a disaster, but I think of fans forum. Uh, where we've got fans, managers and directors all in one place to share questions and viewpoints is actually a good concept. How likely would something similar happen with the consortium considering their location and other priorities? I think they'd be bang up for it. I, I don't speak from all, but I think that they would absolutely welcome that with open arms as well. And again, it'd be nice to hold a fans forum where it's not in crisis mode, which it was last time and have, you know, Matt Dean bullied by two members of the Grimsby Town staff in the in the way of uh, Slade and... Oh, actually, and three. Like, you know, Morley was unacceptable that day. I know that a lot of people said that actually he's, he's not that bad at all, but sadly, that's what we have on camera and the way that Fenty dealt with it all. You know, it would be nice to have a fans forum with an op open, honest discussions with loads of fans, you know, talking about trivial matters, talking about, you know, like um, Tom spoke about last time, having fan communities outside of Grimsby that can come together, just talking about stuff that bring people together that make them want to come to the club as opposed to just a crisis meeting the whole time, which is the only other time that these fans forums have been put together. I still find it amazing that that fans forum is still allowed to be viewed on YouTube. The club haven't taken it down or anything. It's still I would there. Have paid, I would have paid someone a lot of money to take that down if I was in control of the club yeah. <laughs> and then go around to people's houses to burn it off hard drives. <laughs> Um, no, don't forget, don't forget though, for three pence per million clicks. Yeah, that's true. Money talks, Alex. Money talks. 
yeah that's very true sorry yeah bruce i didn't i didn't even think of that uh dan randall uh i'm not going to ask you a question mate it's not because i'm clutching pearls or anything we all have that conversation about what what staff uh uh would need to get oh sorry no I, I can ask it totally playing staff well you said staff i assumed you meant everyone off the park like paul mooring in the ticket office or something like that but um what's playing staff needs to go during january i think we've touched on it but a lot of the loan players back for me um and i don't think we can get rid of many more really it'll cost to get rid of a few people that we don't need and I, I, as you say i think I, I personally, I put this tweet out, and I, I was kind of—I knew the answer already. It's why we why we assembled the squad that we did, and I think it was because we didn't plan. We didn't plan in between the two seasons. I think that from above, it, the answer was given that we don't think the season's going to start, and so we assembled a squad very hastily. Um, and I think we will have to. I think personally, we'll have to get rid of like five to seven minimum players in 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 yeah. in January. Do you think that, um, I mean, I don't know the workings of, of footballers' contracts, but some of the players that you might want to get rid of maybe don't live in town, so you might not have to pay them off fully. Um, going back to, I think we, you know, I can't remember whether it was Ian or Tom earlier that, you know, we talked about about what it would cost to pay people off. But do you think maybe, you know, we might get away with paying somebody half what they, you know, they travelled every day, you know, from wherever. Um, we might be able to get one player with the with what we save from getting rid of two. Does that if that makes sense of paying off two players? Yeah, Think perhaps I don't know. Sorry, Lloyd. Um, no, go on, I man. think generally speaking, when you're paying somebody off, especially in January, because <clears throat> they're also giving them the opportunity to go to another club. So I'm, I'm making these figures up slightly, and I'm not don't take them quite as gospel. But if they're paid five hundred pound a week you might be able to pay up the remainder of their contract at 350 400 whatever it may be, as some form of negotiation. Because as I say, the other thing you're doing by releasing them during the January transfer window is you're giving them the opportunity to find another club. Um, and as you say, there might be benefits in that for players as well, because if they are commuting and uh, travelling, um, I'm just thinking back to somebody like Carl Magny, um, if they are travelling and commuting, they may not want to pay the extra money just to come and train and potentially not be in the squad. So that extra bit of money every week is neither here nor there for them because it's saved on petrol and other things. True. Um, I, but I do know they have a, 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 most players now have a relocation fee. And if they're not in the area, they do get a relocation fee. I've got a feeling that, like, for example, Bill, Bill Mosney had a relocation fee to come to Grimsby. And I think that Ollie sorted him out with Barnet so that he basically had somewhere to go pretty much straight away. I think I think Ian Holloway had a hand in getting him that deal at Barnet to almost, you know, no, no, he, he, you know, he, there's, I think there's a, um, a duty of care for certain managers. If they brought people in, you know, sometimes they will go, right, well, I'll try and get you a, a deal here. I'll try and get you a, a deal there, which I think we've definitely seen in the past. But I think... Absolutely. And, and to be fair, at the moment, with COVID and everything going on, I would want the club to have that duty of care. Yeah. You know, the, the consortium with the things that we've seen of them, particularly the, um, the interview with Stockwood recently, they all seem to care about people. Yeah. And I'd want that to go right the way through the club, not just talking about how we, the fans have got the club back. I'd want it to be the same for the players as well. One thing that was really interesting about Jason Stockwood, he did another interview, not the one that most people have seen, where he was talking about what he did to make his company the the one of the best places to work from through the times awards and they brought in a life coach uh so players uh players so uh employees could um work out 
uh, what they're going to be doing and how that works with the company. They also brought in another different remits that helped support staff in a way that we wouldn't necessarily see, not just in the club in terms of, I mean, telling them not to work part-time, but general things you'd see in a good company that would be run pretty well, where they bring in these pieces of, uh, of legislation and, and they moved it to a four-day week, I believe, and, and, and things like that that helped move staff forward. It's pretty incredible stuff, really. How, how often does a life coach score? You get your three points on a Saturday. <laughs> it depends how good his head in is. No, but I think it's like a life coach. You know, it, I think like psychologists are used, sports psychologists are used so much in teams, definitely in the Premier League, definitely in the Championship. I'm not entirely sure when you when you come to League Two and uh, League One and League Two, but I mean, I, I I I cannot speak for anyone. If I was in charge and I had a big pot of money, I'd be bringing sports psychologists into this level because. I mean, certainly from the way we've been playing some of the games, I mean, you do need a few heads lifted. It'll so. be really, it'll be really interesting to see what 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 they want, what they do short term, and what they do long term. Mm-hmm. I've seen people, I've seen people argue, not arguing, that's the wrong word. People questioning uh, some of the some of the doubters over the last few days before it was all before it was announced. You know, I want to see their business plan before um, before I you know jump on board with the consortium in brigade. But what business plan have we had for the last ten years or twelve years? What 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 have we what have we done? We, we we haven't achieved any of them really. But barring break even, have we? Which I know is an achievement. But yeah. what you know the, the current, Tony Tony the, the Butcher current, was right, wasn't he? He said just read, read what they do, read what they've been doing before, and you're going to be you're going to be impressed. But yeah, sorry, Bruce. It certainly no, it certainly looks that way. Uh, you know that. Everything I've seen um, fills me with optimism, and, and yeah, it, it interests me to see what they see. Obviously, for all of us, them and us, survival this season in the football league is imperative. Because, as I said before, I think when you made your rash statement that you would take relegation to get rid of Mr. Fancy, um, that I think several of us disagreed with. Uh, I think relegation Mugs. from the football from the, from the football <laughs> from the football league is unthinkable because. The, the, the conference is a football league dumping ground. Um, you know, so many teams go down there, they don't come back. We know only from heartache how how hard it is to get out of that league and the budgets that are in there. And um, so once they've once we've done that, hopefully, it'll be really interesting to see what changes they make, both to the structure of the club, as, as, as you and Lloyd mentioned, um, and to the staff there. But... You know, Lloyd, with Lloyd saying that he'd like to see things like that, psychologists and things brought in, they're going to want to do this on a, in a sustainable manner as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it needs yeah. to it needs to work. But what they what they should be able to do is hopefully increase the revenue um, and tap into markets that we've been so slow to tap into in the past, um, and hopefully bring some more money in, even at the current level, at the current ground, uh, to facilitate you know to help us to do those sort of things. Um, so, uh, Heinz von Bakebean, I still love that name. Uh, the new ownership and old manager might not uh, bring instant success on the pitch, but they are the best chance we have of building the infrastructure within the club needed to allow success to happen long term. I can't disagree with that. And Dave Holmes says, uh, I-, I won't come to you uh, with this one, Hannah, straight away. Uh, it says, should the Mariners Trust have a reboot to redefine its purpose and to plan a way forward? Uh, I am a supporter of the Trust, but it has been anonymous for a while, in my opinion. If so, how to do this? Uh, personally, I would say it's 
the recent events have shown some frailties and some places where the trust need to improve in terms of being able to react quickly and do so from its members. Uh, and I think an update of, of how they use maybe a CRM system, maybe not that, uh, but maybe an Excel sheet um, would be a, a handy thing to have with the list of emails on. Um, and I think it probably does need some sort of form of restructuring. It'll be interesting to see what their, whether they're going to have a position on the board. I'd imagine they will do. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what do you all think, Bruce. Um, I I've thought for a long time, and I don't know whether it's viable. But the trust, when we got promoted back to the league, we've said how the, we said how the club didn't didn't sort of deal with the optimism, and you know they didn't carry us forward on the crest of a wave. Um, everyone, has, all the season ticket holders, as far as I'm aware, got a trust membership that season, sixteen, seventeen, um, and. What's that? Three thousand ish, two and a half thousand, three thousand. I'd like to know how many of those two and a half and three thousand are members again, and how many rejoin. Because I think the trust would be the first to admit that membership and renewals of membership have been haphazard at best. Um, they are all volunteers, and I've thought for a long, long time that if we could get somebody paid part time with some of the money that the trust put into the club, instead of putting it into the club have a, somebody that was employed even even half you know 20 hours a week to deal with administration and memberships and things like that at the trust then i think that would make a massive difference because i think that there too many too many of the members were lost too easily yeah so it was 3000 ish um from the season tickets and um at that time they did actually consider getting a paid staff member um I don't know why it didn't happen. Um, I wasn't aware of the conversation, but yeah, it was considered at the time. And they're a group, I mean, the, the group now on the trust are quite similar to when I was on the trust um, just after, after Operation Promotion. And they're, they're so hardworking, some of them. You, you, you will not believe the amount of work they put in. Um, but there just needs to be more people supporting them. And... And I guess for me, it was there was the same faces doing the work all the time and taking on maybe four different roles. Um, and it, it just needs more people who have got specialist skills to, to join them and help. Do you, do you think they were taken advantage of, I guess, for a want of a better phrase? Or do you think it was more a case of they were just willingly volunteering their time? Yeah, I would say that there's just there's some very good people on the trust board that all they want to do is their bit for the club. And if by being on the trust board, that's how they do it, then that's, that's what they do. And, and um, I wouldn't say they're ever taken advantage of. They, they do willingly take on the work. It's just if more people, you know, signed up to share the workload, I think it would, it would make the trust a much, a much bigger force to be reckoned with. I think that's really important that what you say, because I think a lot of people, I, it, it annoys me when people criticise the trust on social media and either A, I'm not a member, or, well, you know, you can't complain and you can't ask for a vote if you're not a member, and B, and B, don't offer their own services. Now, I know, I think what sometimes has clouded it is that there has been people with different opinions and they're not sure whether the direction the trust wants, you know, the, the people who wanted a change of ownership probably didn't always feel that that's what the trust wanted, and I know they didn't want to get involved in fan ownership a year or two ago whether that's changed slightly now I don't know but I think we didn't really know what the direction the trust was going in 
But I do think it does it does wind me up when people criticise them and knock them. And there have been some on social media that for me have been bang out of order recently mm. um, with, with the way that Sorry they Sorry about that, Bruce. Yeah, I would say even even back after Operation Promotion, we got a lot of of stick for for various reasons and and including myself, like I, I received messages that maybe weren't appropriate, but um you know it, it's hard because a lot of the trust membership were very pro Fenty and they have to represent everyone, not just those who shout the loudest. Can I, can can I, I come in? Oh, yeah, Go on, Lloyd. Well, I was just going to say, I think, I think much in the same way, there's been a lot of um, stuff going on over the last few weeks and months about talking about the new consortium. What, you know, certain people who are, I think have been pro Fenty saying, what's, but what's their vision? What are they going to do? And what, what do they want to do with the club? And I've always been of the view, but what does the current ownership want to do with the club? And I think with that, it's very much in the same line as, but what do the Mariners trust? Want? What's their vision? What's their statement? And I think it's it's key to, and I, the, the work that the Mariners trust do is in, invaluable. Do you know what I mean? From, you know, even just the small things of like the, the, the bars, you know, the small things, but, you know, like Sharon's bars and, you know, looking after the kids, making sure the kids are looked after on, on, on match day and stuff, by the way, of having family bars there and, the stuff they do behind the, the scenes, which I know is is invaluable, and it is an, an, an enviable job in to, to some respects. And I've been a—I wouldn't say I've been massively critical of the trust. I've just been—it'd just be nice to have a bit more of a, a voice. But the thing is, you've got to—and I think this goes back, you know, with this, with the hopefully with the new such words um, consortium coming in, there will be a massive shakeup. There will be a massive shakeup with the way in which. The fans can react, can can communicate with with, uh, with with the new owners. I'm certainly hoping, especially from what we've seen from the small snippets. But also, what you've got to realise is the Mariners Trust had to contend with the current owner of the football club, who took shares away from them. So they were never in a fighting position at, at the start. So they represent fans, and they were amazed at doing that. But like, they were bullied. And I got told off for saying bullying on the radio the other day, but I'm almost certain, Alex, you won't tell me off after this, but they they were bullied by the owner of the football club to give them shares. And so they're in this weird position where they support the club, they support the fans, but then they're, they're you know, it's just, it looks a bit it looks a bit of a weak standing and there's nothing they could do. He blackmailed them into doing it. Do you know what I mean? He blackmailed them into doing it. At least emotionally, I, yeah. Yeah, 100%. But I just think that now, I think that there's now time for a little bit of fresh air and I'm sure Dave's probably thinking, you know, well, everyone that's on the, on the trust board is probably thinking, oh, great. Do you know what I mean? We can just step back and reassess what it is, what is our mission statement for the fans and almost have time to go, right, this is what we do for the fans, which, and they've just been caught up in everything that's, that's been going on. And sometimes, you know, Mariners Trust was seen as like a bit of a teacher. It's like, miss, miss, you know, tell John off. He's been a dick again. Um, so I just, I just, um, I just, I just feel that the, the, the Mariners Trust have had an, an enviable job given what they've had to do with the powers that be that have been in control of the club. And I think that hopefully in the next few weeks, months, we will see all more clarity from both sides. And I think it'll just make it a lot easier for everybody involved. Sorry to jump in there, Tom. That's all right. Tom, you first, then I'll go to Ian. Uh, so, I, like, I appreciate what Hannah was saying because I was one of the people who uh, set up um, Shareholders United in the last couple of weeks. Um, um, 
unfortunately, there hasn't been much interest in it. But basically, the idea was just to, because there are a lot of Grimsby Town fans who have shares now. Um, and uh, the idea was to try and um, group all those people together so that the supporters have a voice on the board by way of share ownership. Uh, and that long term, whether this consortium stays or not, there's a there's an angle there for um, people to work towards fan ownership, which is a real possibility for us. Um, and that they, they could have worked with the trust towards that as the trust are, you know, a representative of the fan supporters movement. Uh, but aside from that, I think there are a couple of things that the, the trust could do and they could, you know, given that they've got the right amount of people and stuff, enact immediately. And that would be the thing that Lloyd touched on earlier, which was uh, the, the trust could do a regional supporters club. They could actually just run a supporters club and, and say, you know, join the trust for £10. You're a member of the trust, so you get to, you know, you get a voice on the board, but also we're a Grimsby Town supporters club, which represents Grimsby supporters all over the country. And what we do with that is is do that, you know, we have regional meetups before games where we invite a couple of players. Uh, that's what the, the Boston United Supporters Association do. They organise before Boston, or they did at the old York Street, they used to organise like an ex-player come in and being in the in the clubhouse before the game and then doing like a, a lap of the pitch at half-time. Uh, and also I think... I've talked, because I'm a member of the Trust, I don't know how many people on this podcast are members. I think that's a key point as well, because lots of people do criticise but aren't actually members and trying to work to make it better. Um, but I think what they should do is as well is get pin badges, because everybody loves the pin badge, and get a pin badge that says Supporters Trust me member that people can wear to games, because if more people were walking around saying they were a member of the trust and showing that, I think it would encourage people to join. So, oh, he's a member of the trust. I should be a member of the trust as well, because that's going to safeguard the future of the club, no matter what happens. And I think they're two really small things that they could do, which would both generate a little bit of income and also sp spread the word about the trust and unite fans behind um, a cause, which is basically being the policeman of Grimsby Town Football Club. That is essentially, in my view, their job. They're there to make sure that the board isn't messing about and also that in, in general football terms, like things like the fit and proper person's test and stuff like that, they're there to challenge things like that through, it's not supporters direct anymore, Hannah will correct me, it's the football FSA or something like that. Yeah, it's the FSA. I think, I think right now the trust have been given freedom to do like things that, like you say, all that all they need is people to help them do it. I mean, they've always been ideas floating around. Um, they've always pushed on behalf of the exiled um, fans as well. They've always pushed for for better things for them. But it's it has sometimes been like talking to a brick wall, and um, you know, it, I guess it's probably quite tiring for them to to take things to the club week on week out and and get no 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 so so i think yeah they they've definitely this is their chance they've got freedom and and you never know expect amazing things if if everyone joins back up and and helps them then it could really be a movement to to sort of reckon with uh so uh ian have you got anything to add before i move on to the next queue 
Yeah, just very, very briefly, really, Alex. Um, as part of the thing I've done with the Internet Mariners, playing and managing and what have you over, best part of sort of getting on for 15 years now. Uh, what do um, you call it, playing? Uh, well, loosely. Nobody else in my team would call anything I did playing, but I was there in a shirt, so that'll do. Um, the I've been privileged to meet some people who've been involved in the, the running of their kind of equivalent of the Mariners Trust at clubs up and down. And I think there's a couple of key things that kind of really need to happen at the moment. One is, as Hannah's just been mentioning, is that hopefully now they'll be given the freedom because we've now got, hopefully, people running the club who appreciate that not everything within an organisation is about the financial aspects. Although, of course, we need to be self-sufficient and things, there are other things that go into that, which are the, you know, the mentality and the health and well-being of people in and around the organisation. Um, but also... Um, that the trust hopefully takes an opportunity now with it being a bit of a fresh start to put a call out for people to help them I know that there has been that in the past and I'll be honest I've considered getting involved more in supporting the trust and have offered with a couple of events in the past but in terms of being kind of a more hands-on support my own um, trepidation with that has been that they've always seemed to be having their hands tied by the board and I didn't really want to be a part of that. But hopefully now, as we say, clean slate, if the trust can make sure that they know everything is in order, I don't want to put, um, they've got all the ducks in a row, um, but hopefully that they know what is going to be happening with the club moving forwards. And then let's say March, April time, they can put a call out for people to get involved and hopefully help more with things like um, Nationwide Supporters Club, um, things on the day happen and I know they've replied to a tweet from Dave Blaslam today saying they were looking to put fan engagement activities on even just extending the quiz nights and um, some speakers nights and things like that even small scale things that will all just help to try and generate a bit more rather than tedium with just the, going to games especially at the moment where people are locked indoors one of the problems the trust had was people just didn't turn up to those things and I know that there was quite a few events where they were just very poorly attended. At the moment, though, everyone is like we are at the moment, all on Zoom or Teams or whatever. You can do these things online and hopefully even wrap in some unwitting exiles who are also trust members. So hopefully there'll be quite a few options that are there. I think that if, you know, as, as we said, in a, in a couple of months' time, I think it would be a really good thing for the more fans to rejoin the trust if, if the figures that we've seen are correct, that 90-odd percent were in favour of the takeover, then the trust, those who doubted the trust and whether they were fighting in the same direction, were not fighting for anything at the moment, only the, only the support of the club. And it, once everything's gone through, I think it would be good for, A, more people to get involved, like Hannah said, about with running the trust and helping them to do things and helping them to modernise in some ways and become yeah. more accessible. Um, and also... Um, like I say, I think it would be a good show from the fans who have got what they wanted, most of them, to show that the fans are united and to put some strength back in the trust's arm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, moving on from that as well, uh, Mike Wharton, a warden, wanted to know how the linesman drove home yesterday. Uh, I, I haven't seen that for a while, but the guy seemed to have crocked himself quite badly. No, cool, good. Uh, what I mean, I, I've got no idea. He looked, he looked very injured. He wouldn't even. Um, what was quite funny is that he, on the on the you could see from the the I follow, 
he was just he couldn't even walk down the corridor, like the tunnel. God, I just call it a corridor, don't I? It's famously it's a tunnel, isn't it? Anyway, so he walked down the he couldn't even I wouldn't uh, call arse a tunnel. <laughs> right, it's, it's like a tunnel, isn't it? It's like a I mean I've seen worse tunnels. Um but yeah, I, I don't know, maybe I can't really you just gotta hope, because I think it was his left leg that he's got an automatic. Um, the former referee, there's a, there's a good chance that they actually arrive together at the game, although well, maybe you, not in these COVID times. I don't think in COVID times, I think they've all got to uh, arrive yeah. separately. So maybe well, you just got to kip out in the boot room. Maybe yeah. you stayed at the, uh, yeah, if he wants to stay at Studio 47, studio47.co.uk, great um, self catering accommodation um, in the Grimsby and Cleethorpes area. Yeah. Well, he would also get that on expenses, so I don't think it would have been a problem. We're happy to give him a, a, a receipt if he wants one. Does it have a phone number, Lloyd? It's the internet, mate. Do you know what I mean, what are you, 1994? Yeah. Jesus. I'm from. You're in the minority there, Alex. Unbelievable, mate. Who are you? I like, I'm a people person. I like to talk. Um, so, uh, be interested to see which players he brings in, if any, back to the club. He seemed to really trust that core group we took around from him. Either way, it's super exciting to be a town fan again. That's Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Crowley. Very happy about that. Uh, should Philip Day now also go for a new start all round? I think, in all honesty, I think almost like a presidential term, I think everyone on that board should offer their resignation um, and see if it's taken. But we, we, we all have no idea what's going to happen. I just, oh, with... Uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to say anything. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, and then, no, we've done we've done Sarah's. Uh, Trev wanted to know if flasks would be allowed back in. No, they won't. And that's a hill I will die on. Buy a cup of tea, you tight bastard. Um, and uh, very southern there, in bastard. It should be. Yeah, bastard. I'm really sorry, man. It's the it's no. it's the falafel and stuff for down here. It just gets to you. Um, what would be a no? We've done that one as well. Question: uh, What would the future Mariners trust look like under new owners? We kind of touched on that one, Daniel. So we'll we'll move on to that one. Uh, Mike Mc, uh, McMahon wanted to say Fenty out. Oh wait, no, that's last week. Um, not cutting adverts from Radio Humberside Priest post pre post match commentary. That's sort of what they could do to improve it. And that's pretty much it. Actually, I think we've gone through all our questions today, which is quite nice. Oh, someone might no, we're not talking about pineapple on pizza. Great. So, yeah, I think we're all done. Pick questions-wise. Has anyone got anything to add before we go? It's been a long one. I've got a um, Grimsby Town quiz that I've done with a few friends. Do we want to do one for the Mariners Trust um, as part of this? And then I'll, I can do it on Zoom. Hmm. Hello? Is my mic on? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I've, I, yeah. Mean, I, I mean, between all of us, I mean, we'll have loads. But I did, I did one, me and mate James Willis, we did one. And Jack Johnson as well, who used to work at the club. We did a just, just during lockdown. So um, just talking about stuff that we could do with the trust and stuff, it might be a good idea raising money for the trust and maybe a charity or, or, or two in the area. So, I mean, we've got more than enough resources. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a template quiz in, in play. I mean, we can do it on Zoom. I've got a mate who can do it on the slide because we can then get hundreds of people on, on the old situation. Just a little uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd jump in with you on that, Lloyd. I'm a part-time quiz host as well alongside my main job. So I've got a load of questions and bits and bobs. Perhaps so I'd happily give you a hand. That's great stuff. Look at this. I, um, I, I prepared a, uh, a quiz on Zoom when lockdown one started, uh, a town quiz based on the, the account on Twitter. And uh, I quite quickly realised you probably need to be on mastermind with town as your specialist subject to answer the question. So I never used it. 50, I, um, 50 questions wasted. Are you joking? Jimmy Carmichael. 
so, uh, so final question before we leave. Uh, Andrew Weeks wanted to know, just looking forward to the first communication when the, com uh, the consortium take over, hopefully answering questions like, why did you... Uh, why did you want to take over? What's your history with the club? Who's in the consortium and, and what will they be doing? I'm sure we'll all hear about that as we go. But until then, uh, Jason Stockwood's got a book out, uh, which you can get on Amazon. That's certainly worth a read. Um, I think it's called Breathe, if I remember rightly. Uh, it's certainly worth it. It's called Reboot. That's the one. Uh, totally wrong for me, but he does have a book. Uh, and uh, so have a look at that. Have a look at what they've done. The, Jason Stockwood especially has got quite a lot of interviews out there in the wide world. Uh, look on his Twitter account and look on uh, on uh, YouTube as well. There's quite a few that are well worth your time. So if you're worried or just want to know more, do, do some research. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you all so much for the panel for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back very shortly. I'm assuming another 90 things will happen between now and next week. Uh, so uh, thank you very much and we'll see you all soon.